Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. With me today, Kimberly Majeski. Hi, Jim. Kimberly, we are so excited to be on Viewpoint today because we're following up in a series that is connected to an initiative called Chog Traffic Light. That's right. We here at this broadcast are partnering with the Chog Traffic Light Initiative, which really encourages people to step up and join the fight against sex trafficking. And uh, I know that a lot of people banty that phrase about sex trafficking. It's a little mm-hmm. bit of a vogue cause. Mm-hmm. But honestly, the Church of God, which owns this program, has been on the front lines of this issue for over a century. Mm-hmm. It's not new in this world, and it's not new to us, but it is still a very necessary fight, sad to say. And Kimberly, today on our program, we're not just going to talk about the Chuck traffic light, but we're going to explore a very powerful story from the life of Jesus that I think helps inform us. It's, it's 20 centuries old, mm-hmm. but it stood the test of time, and it still speaks to us today about how we might best live. The Chog Traffic Light is an initiative to fight human trafficking, sex trafficking in particular, that was born a year and a half ago. In this month of February, we've been celebrating Freedom Sunday. Churches all across the United States and Canada have been rallying around to learn about, to think about, to pray about, and to join the fight against sex trafficking. And we think it's a work of the Holy Spirit. We think it's a work of God. Mm -hmm. And no matter where you are in life, no matter what your station, this is one cause that everyone can join Mm -hmm. because it sets people free. And sometimes we think of slavery as something from an ancient time or even uh, American history in the 19th century. But slavery still exists today. And by many measures, there are more people literally enslaved today in human trafficking than have been enslaved by Simon Legree's in other ages. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's appalling to think that even right in our own hometowns, mm-hmm. there are people, adolescents, sometimes even children, and certainly young adults, and some middle-aged who have been enslaved where they are forced by circumstance and by the evil hand of others, and I use that word carefully, the evil hand mm-hmm. of others, to sell themselves and the most personal parts of themselves mm-hmm. so that others might profit. It's an awful scourge. And Kimberly, I know that you have a heart for those who have been trafficked in this way. You uh, go out every week, don't you? And, mm-hmm. and you, you visit sites of what we might call the adult entertainment industry. And even within days of this broadcast today, you've been out uh, in the evening yes. engaging people who have been what shall we say, vacuumed up into the trade. (laughs) Yeah. And what do you find? What kind of people do you see who are, well, they're dancing in clubs or maybe they're leaving with a patron to do something that is going to cost them, but they won't benefit from the, the money that's received? I appreciate this question, Jim, because I think it's important that people are educated about what is happening across the world in sex trafficking, but also in our neighborhoods, in our communities. So I have taken to calling myself the strip club pastor because (laughs) I really believe uh, the women in these places are my parish, and it's such an honor to serve them and to be for and with them in the way that I believe Christ is. And so uh, what what we see typically um, on a given night in a strip club, uh, and by the way, you know, it might say strip club on the outside, but what it really means is sex club. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. These are really fronts. These are business fronts, if you will, for the real business that happens there, which is is, uh, the commercial sex trade. And uh, in most cases, women end up there um, because of poverty and because of lack of choices and options. 
And what we mean as what we mean by the term sex trafficking is when at any point you are coerced or forced into the buying and selling of yourself, into um, the giving of sex acts, and then that there is someone else who's profiting. And so the work that we do is a lot of times educating these women about the fact that they are being trafficked. Some of them know very certainly that this is what's happening to them, and they want out. They think they can't get out. Some of them think that they found a good man, and he's taking care of them, and they just can't figure out why they're the ones working in the club, double shifts, and he's at home playing Grand Theft Auto, benefiting from what she's doing there. She's generating the income. She's generating the income. And in a city like ours, Jim, in central Indiana, where we have what we call C-level clubs. I want to be clear, this is not Las Vegas, where women are pulling down thousands of dollars a night. These women are eking out an existence. And so uh, what happens is they have to do extra duties to make the money they need to live on. Their night usually doesn't just stop with disrobing. Never. There's always physical touch. I mean, the money is found when people are engaged sexually. I've been doing this work, this is my seventh year, Jim. I've never met one woman in commercial sex trade who has not been sexually assaulted. I've never met one woman who hasn't had to go beyond the work uh, done on the stage to earn a living. And I've never met one woman who said, this is what I dreamed of doing uh, when I grew up. I'm just so looking forward to the rest of my life (laughs) here at this place. Yeah. So those are some myths that I think it's really incumbent upon us to blow apart. Um, This is prostitution, and it is uh, a plight that is um, particularly heavy upon uh, women and children in impoverished areas. And as we talk about the Chug Traffic Light, it's an initiative that's helped gathering resources and developing teams Mm -hmm. that actually intervene to help people have options. Because you might just hear what you've said, and someone listening might say, well, then just walk out the door and get another job. But it's not that simple because you become ensnared into this web and you don't really have any options. You can't economically, you don't Mm -hmm. have the wherewithal, you don't have the money, you become dependent on this trade and the people who essentially own you. You become dependent upon the people who own you, and that's part of the game. That's part of the mind game that happens. When we get these women out, what they suffer from is post-traumatic stress disorder. Psychologists tell us that it's very much like what people who come out of war zones um, are been dealing imprisoned. with. Have been imprisoned because they don't know their own voice. They don't trust community services and resources. They believe what these men who own them and who profit in the buying and selling of their bodies tell them. And and by the way, it's not just men. There are women who are um, profiteering they profit also. in this. Absolutely. Sure. And Jim, I know that you know, here in our city, we, we last spring had a, a, a local physician arrested for um, selling uh, prescription drugs to women for sex. And then just at Christmas this year, a local law enforcement uh, officer arrested for the buying and selling of women for prescription drugs. So these women see that people in the community, people um, who have power, are a part of this system. And so they're even more afraid and oppressed. And the veneer of respectability is not always a bar to people who descend to their lower nature 
to take advantage of others. And that's what the traffic light is about. We just want you to know that if you would like to join the fight, if you want to know some more of what we are speaking about today, go to this website, chogtrafficlight.org, and you can read more about how to join the fight, and you can make a contribution there because we're still in the business of gathering resources and developing partners and teams because, sad to say, the mm. fight is a long way from being over. Mm. But as we've talked about this reality right now here today, we have to know that we are inspired and we're motivated. We are framed by scripture, which gives us hope that this is not the way things have to be. When we come back, we want to dive into a story, a famous story and a compelling narrative in the life of Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Well, wait a minute. Jesus, strip clubs, Jesus, prostitution. <laughs> Actually, Jesus walked the streets and Jesus met up with people and Jesus interfaced with people and Jesus set people free, all of whom were touched, enslaved, mm -hmm. or propagating mm -hmm. the sex trade. We'll be right back. Do, 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 do. days of confused situations, in these nights of restless remorse, when the heart and the soul of a nation lay wounded and cold as a cold. From the In Luke chapter 7, Luke the physician, we believe under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, 
gives us a history of a very, very significant evening in the life of Christ. And uh, I'm just going to dive into the text here, Kimberly, and ask you if you would, start telling us the story. You're reading from the New Testament itself in Luke chapter 7, beginning with verse 37. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. And then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? And the story continues. Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you did not offer me water to wash the dust from my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven, so she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, Your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, Who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The story we've just uh, unfolded, Kimberly, is about Jesus. Jesus, who we see as the perfect one. He is the divine God-man, the very person of God in human form, who does no wrong, and yet as the story opens, he's in the company of a certain immoral woman. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of a, a straightforward way of saying this gal is not respected in her community, and she is a prostitute. She's selling herself. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the, the whole setup, don't you think? Yes. You know, we have certain clues here in the text. She's called an immoral woman. Um, she's got this expensive perfume. She has loose hair. All of these things kind of point to Uh, the text telling us this is a woman who uh, sells herself, a woman of the street, a woman of the night. Sometimes uh, they refer to that uh, in different places, but she's encountering Jesus. And what's interesting here is, you know, the Pharisees didn't have an issue with Jesus hanging out with repentant sinners. People had already made a decision of going a different way. If this had been a prostitute who who, who was a former prostitute, who had repented and wanted to live differently, they would have had no trouble with it. The problem for the Pharisees with Jesus is that Jesus hangs out with these folk before they get clean. 
before they change their lives, why they're still a mess and why they're still broken and in need. And he's receiving her blessing, as it were. Yes. I mean, not only is he in her company, mm. he's actually receiving her esteem. She's honoring him. She's oh, reaching Jim. out to him, and he's taking it. And they don't like that because I, I suppose it suggests to them that maybe he's compromised, or as the scripture says, well, if he really was a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is, and no right-thinking person mm -hmm. would allow himself to be touched by her. And yet that seems to be the crux of their animosity. Yeah, the idea that that Jesus wants what she's bringing, that Jesus accepts her love, that he accepts her sacrifice, uh, and they see it as less than or uh, improper, uh, is uh, just striking to me in this text, and that he welcomes it. And it's such an instructive for us, I think, today. And of course, you know, stepping out of it, in fairness to the Pharisees, you know, we might all be tempted to think that Jesus receiving her favors, her touch, her mm -hmm. caress, her kisses on the feet, I mean, all of it could be interpreted as, is this just a come on? She's trying to <laughs> pull Jesus into her web. Yeah. But I think what's so obvious is that Jesus is not looking at her as someone he can buy. Mm -hmm. He's looking at her as someone who needs to be loved mm -hmm. and loved in a righteous and holy way. So everything depends upon the way in which you see her. That's right. His lens mm -hmm. is heaven's lens, and their lens is the judgmental condemnation of our finite understanding. And the lesson for us is today, who do we think we are? Yeah. When other people who may not live up to our standards, who have chosen paths or found themselves enslaved in courses that we would not choose, and probably they wouldn't either, mm. who do we think we are mm. when we distance ourselves and push them away, we diminish them, we disrespect them? And this story is so compelling because Jesus puts everything in perspective. Mm -hmm. He's got all kinds of characters on the stage. He's got the woman who clearly, by Jesus' own testimony, has many flaws. She has right. had a rough life, and she has many sins, which suggests that Jesus understands. She made some choices for herself mm. that were not right. But he also sees some people who have also got some debts, mm -hmm. but they just don't recognize they owe anything. Mm -hmm. They don't see their own flaws. And he understands that the person who is most aware of their sin, the one who's most aware of their shame, the one who is most humble, that's the one who has the capacity to love the most. That's right. I think this is beautiful. I hear you talk, and I think about Pink Door. I think about um, Church on the Street. I think about One Heart and Stripped Love and all of our ministries, um, the shelter under Chog Traffic Light, and how so much of the work that we do in anti-trafficking efforts is about seeing people with heaven's lens and about giving love and the hope of freedom and not asking anything back. Uh, I know that uh, this is this is true on the streets of Berlin. I know this is true in community in, in the inner city in Atlanta. I know this is true for us in clubs here in central Indiana. When you um, say to a woman who is in slavery, I just want to be kind to you. I just want to give you something. I just, I want to be your friend and you don't want anything back. You have completely distinguished yourself so that you are like nobody else she knows. You are like nothing else she has ever encountered because your posture, your perspective, your approach, your lens and way of seeing her and relating to her is the way of Jesus, and that's transformative. I know that um, 
a powerful part of this text is that um, Jesus accepts her, and um, you were talking about the distance, you know, that we that we sometimes put. And I, I just think that for so many of us, uh, it's important for us to receive what these women, what these people who are enslaved have to bring. You know, they have gifts, they have beautiful testimonies, they have stories, they uh, have abilities that we need that nurture our souls, that um, enrich our lives, that help, you know, could help build up the church for the purpose of the world. And so this idea that uh, Jesus allows her to bless him with what she has, you know, this idea that we, that we open our arms and receive what broken people have to bring to us, I think is another beautiful nuance here in the text. And that Jesus is completely unperturbed and unaffected by the criticism and the judgment of those <laughs> sitting around. Mm. And his focus is on the woman who is humble and seeking life. And the last part of the whole narrative is his word to her. Your sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. Be free. Mm-hmm. And that's what the child traffic light's about. That's what Christians Broadcasting Hope is about. That's what anyone who's following Jesus should be about, helping other people be free. That's right. To help them understand that no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, no matter what your story, no matter what your sin, no matter how dark the state, Jesus is here to tell you, you can be forgiven, you can be clean, you can be free, and new days and new pages and new ways are set before you. There's a wall that has been standing since the day that Adam fell. Sin is where it started. Sin is why it held. Speaking as a prisoner who was there and lived to tell, I remember how it felt. I can hear the sound of freedom like a distant voice to call. And beckon me to follow Where I had never gone And though my heart was willing I just stood there at the wall Praying somehow it would fall But in a cross I found a doorway And a hand that held the keys When the chains fell at my feet For the first time I could see
wherever you are today, whatever your story, think about these two ideas. First up, if your own personal journey has found you in a place like this, well, shall we say, certain immoral woman, and maybe you don't qualify to be labeled a prostitute, maybe you haven't sold yourself, but still you have some deep shame. Maybe you are ashamed because you have accessed someone who's been enslaved. Maybe you paid someone else for a sexual favor and you know that it's wrong. Maybe you just feel badly because of some other thing in your life that you know is not right and you're ashamed of it. I want you to know Jesus knows and he's willing to love you just the same. Are you willing to give him your tears? Are you willing to give him your life? Are you willing to bow before his feet? I promise you, if you are, he will always lift you up and you can be free. And you can pray with us right now. Just take a moment and go before God with us and pray. Our Father, we're so thankful today that you know every one of us by name and that there is nothing in our lives so dark or so deep for which we might be so ashamed that will surprise you or drive you away. That you love us knowing everything you know about us. And furthermore, Lord, we're so thankful that you are a God who won't leave us just where we are, but that you will help us stand tall to be free that you will banish the whisper of the enemy of our souls who constantly tries to remind us of why we're flawed, and he will speak into us words of life and beauty, holiness and future. We surrender before you today, Lord. All of us do once more, acknowledging that all of us need to bow at your feet. And Lord, we weep with tears for the ways in which we have failed you and your calling of us to the best. But we also weep with tears of joy knowing that you'll receive us. We pray, Lord, for the work of the Chug Traffic Light. We pray for those who are still enslaved. We pray for those who have not yet heard that Jesus can set them free. Lord, use us as instruments in your hands for freedom, for Jesus' sake. It is in his name we pray. Amen. Today, give us a call. 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We want to hear from you. And Kimberly, we've already told them about the ChogTrafficLight.org site, but there's one more. If you want to know more about this ministry, or you can find a link there to the Chog Traffic Light, what web address would they go to? Yes, you can visit us online at cbhviewpoint.org. Send us a message and we'll respond. We'd be so glad to hear from you online, but if you prefer even a third option, send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up on the phone, whether you reach out to us online, or whether you send us a letter by post, please let us hear from you this week. Kimberly, thanks for your work. Thanks for your heart. Thanks for all you're doing to set people free. And thanks for being with us today. Oh, I love it all. Thanks for having me. And we are so glad that you tuned in also. We hope that you'll be with us again next week. And until then, for all of us at the Viewpoint team, For all of us at Church of God Ministries, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.